are you here to get something or to do something? Do you ever think about that? You know, most everywhere we go, that's a question we have to ask. Are we in this place to get something? Are we in this place to do something? You know, one of, one of the two of those answers actually gets you both. When you show up somewhere and you're ready to do something, you actually get something out of that as well. But a lot of times when you show up and you're only there to get something, then sometimes we end up not doing anything. And we miss out on wonderful opportunities and on things that are happening all around us. We have been talking about, and, and we, we end it today, we're ending our series called Outside the Box. So my lovely little prop here that says Rebecca's Keepsakes. You can have your after this. It says Rebecca's Keepsakes on it. <coughs> and here's all of Rebecca's Keepsakes. There we go. Second child, you know how that goes. You don't have any Keepsakes for the second child. But we're, we're wrapping up this series called Outside of the Box, and we've really been looking at this from the, from the sense of we oftentimes live our lives as naturally. I mean, it's not that we're trying to go down this way, but we end up getting a very self-centered view of not intentional about going out and looking out beyond ourselves. If, if we're not careful, we get inside this little box and we never move anything further. Um, than what we know and what we see. <coughs> yes, I feel better, but there's still a little leftover, so I just thought I would share that. Um, but the idea here is that if we only view life from inside our box, we miss out on all the many things that are happening around us, and the truth is, is that there's more going on outside of our box than could ever possibly happen inside of our box. So how do we motivate ourselves to see beyond that? We have been in Galatians, and we're going to be in Galatians again today. Galatians chapter 4 is where we'll be. But I want to ask you a question as, as we get into this scripture today. And the question to think about this morning is, where is my heart? Where's my heart? Because wherever your heart is focused... Whatever your heart is looking at, that's going to answer the question of whether you're looking to get something or whether you're looking to do something. It's going to answer the question of whether you're going to live <clears throat> inside your box or whether you're going to live outside of your box. It's a very sad place that we often get to, that we feel like the world is attacking us, it's coming at us start getting mad at other people because they did something or they didn't do something. They didn't live up to our expectation. And our expectation only lives in here. This is where our expectations go. And if we don't share them with other people, then how could they possibly ever live up to those or at least have a conversation with someone to go, you know what, those aren't realist, realistic expectations. We live inside our own little bubble in our own little box. And when the world doesn't go the way that we want it to do, we live a very frustrated existence. So how do we get beyond that? Well, it's a question of heart. Where is our heart? You see, if you've been following along with this series, you've been reading in the third and fourth chapter of Galatians, and Paul's not happy with the church in Galatians. He, he's not. He's very frustrated with them because they're struggling. That point in time that he came to them where he presented the gospel, he presented the word of Jesus Christ, and they accepted it, by faith. And they began 
walking and living for Christ by faith. And then all of a sudden they started walking down this journey with Christ and they came to a point where they began to struggle with the fact that, well, now I've got, I've got things that I'm supposed to do. There's these rules, there's these regulations, there's, there's things that people have done before me. I've got to look a certain way, I've got to act a certain way. I, you know, I can't do this and I can do this. You do realize that we live in a time where people look at Christianity, some people look at it from the outside in and say, well, all that's about is do's and don'ts. Well, you can't do this, can't do this, can't do this, can't do this. You know, this makes you a good Christian, this makes you a bad Christian, when, when really it's all about following Jesus Christ. And the more we fall in love with and the more we follow Jesus Christ, then the more the rules and regulations don't matter. The more that we're willing to lay down our rights, we're willing to lay down our differences, and we're willing just to love other people. See, that's why the question is, where is my heart? When we <clears throat> sometimes share truth in our lives with other people, truths that are known to us, truths that we've endured, truths that we've accepted, and we share those with other people, and we try to get them to see things from our limited point of view or from our perspective, but there is no relationship there, then they miss our hearts, and the truth comes off as very judgmental, as very harsh, as very cold, as, as, as just very legalistic. And that was what was happening in this time. And the reason Paul was so frustrated about it was because Paul had done life with these people. Paul had been there. He had walked with them. He had seen them. And so it wasn't just this religion that he was pu pushing at them. He was trying to help them live a better life. And you, you do realize that truth without a relationship can just be cold and harsh and hard for people to understand. I'll never forget, I was um, hosting a disciple now at church when I was youth minister. This one was probably about 15 years ago. And we brought in a speaker, and he was a phenomenal speaker. Even all the kids would tell you, God, this guy, he just, did a, he just did a great job. And I don't know if you're familiar with what a disciple now is, but it's, it's similar to like a revival for students. We come together, there was a message time, and then students would go to the homes, and in the homes they would be discussing what was talked about with one another. And I'll never forget, the guy preaches this message, and I mean, it's just, it, it's kind of like an in-your-face message. It's walking on toes, it's calling things out. It's a very truth-filled message. And when we got back to the discussion, I could just tell that one of the girls was incredibly upset. I mean, like, fire-spitting mad upset. And I'll never forget this conversation. I looked at her and I said, what are you so mad about? Well, he has no right to say those things. Well, why does he not have any right to? Well, he doesn't know me. Okay. And then I'll never forget, I asked this question. I said, well, what he said, was it true? Yeah, but he doesn't know me. <laughs> you ever had that experience? See, it didn't get through to her because even though it was true and even though it was right, it didn't matter because there was no connection there. There was no relationship. There was no heart behind it. You see, where's your heart? Are, are we more worried about just getting things our way, about setting policies, about having things right, about setting up order, or are we more concerned about connecting with people? And I want to show you that you can do both. I want to look at it right here in this passage. Galatians chapter 4, <coughs> beginning in verse 8, it says this. And the first part is kind of a summary of what we've been talking about. Paul's writing and he says, formerly, 
When you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you're turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You're observing special days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that somehow, listen to this, I love these words. This is Paul, he couldn't get more real than this. I fear that somehow I've wasted my efforts on you. You ever had somebody you just look at and you go, I just feel like I'm wasting my time here. They just don't get this. Now, that's your kind of summary of everything that he's been talking about. But here's what I want you to see. I want you to notice Paul's been, Paul's been very harsh. Paul's been very upfront. He's been very truthful. But watch this turn right here in this sentence and as it goes forward. I plead with you, brothers and sisters, become like me, for I became like you. Catch that. Become like me, for I became like you. We're going to come back to that. You did me no wrong. As you know, it was because of an illness (laughs) that I first preached the gospel to you. And even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. Where then is your blessing of me now? I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Have I now become your enemy by telling you, what's that word? The the truth. Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? See, I'm going to pause here for just a second. Don't miss when we read Galatians that Paul's writing and he's sharing truth but he's sharing it from a deep relationship with these people he's not just throwing bombs at them and saying you got to get this right there's a relationship with there I never forget that uh, played basketball growing up played basketball in a church league with my brother-in-law my brother-in-law and I were very competitive when it came to basketball and one point in time we were we were kind of on opposite teams and we were sharing encouragement with one another Um, as we were, you know, up and down the court. And it got a little heated at one point in time. And so it wears a timeout, and I'm in my brother-in-law's face, and he's in my face, and one of the other guys comes up, and he starts getting in both of our faces. And this is what was the funniest thing. We both just turn and go, on this guy. And I'll never forget, because this is my brother-in-law. I can talk to him however I want to. And it's kind of true. Because we'd been through everything, and I'll take this from him, and he'll take this from me, but who are you? You don't come start talking to me like this. You see what I'm saying? And this is kind of this idea of what Paul's saying. Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? He says, those people, those ones who are trying to send you astray, those people who are putting these on you, those people are zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us. What they want is to alienate you from us so that you may have zeal for them. Hey, it's fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good, and to be so always, not just when I'm with you. My dear children, for who I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed 
in you. How I wish I could be with you now and change my tone because I'm perplexed about you. So let's kind of break this down a little bit. Is Paul angry? Yeah. (laughs) He's frustrated with what's going on, but he's frustrated because he loves him. He's frustrated because his heart is in the right place, not because he's not getting his way. He's frustrated because they're being led astray. But here's the first thing. he's, He's there and he understands this thing. It's all about relationships, not religion. Okay? It's about relationships, not religion. When he says those words, I plead with you, brothers and sisters, become like me, for I became like you. He understands that this is a relationship first. This is not religion. Now, think about that. Can you say that? Can you look at someone else and say, look, become like me because I became like you? Wow. Paul can say that because he first became like them. He's the one who first crossed the line. He's the one who first took the step toward them. He didn't stand at a distance and go, I'm Paul. Come come be like me. I'm Paul. No, he first said, I'm here with you, and I'm going to get to know you. I'm going to be part of your culture. I'm going to be part of your environment. I'm going to find what's important about you. I'm going to be interested in your life. I'm going to be a part of your life. And now he can say, since I've taken that initiative, now you do that as well. Paul first got out of his box before he ever asked somebody else to get out of theirs. I'm going to say that again. Paul first got out of his box before he ever asked anybody else to get out of theirs. You realize so many times we get frustrated because we sit over here in our box and go, nobody likes me, nobody ever talks to me, I don't have any friends. And we're in a box with a lid on it where nobody can see us going, I I don't understand why nobody sees me. Because we're not outside of our box trying to engage with other people. And that's what Paul did. You see, he understood that it's a relationship that happens first before anything else. What Paul, what got to Paul in this whole situation, it wasn't about a religious debate. It wasn't about the frustration that people were being led astray and, oh my gosh, their religion's going to be wrong. No, this had faces to it. It had names to it. It had time together with it. There were real people that were involved in this, and that's why Paul cared for them. And he demonstrates his passion because he's focused on these real people who he loved dearly. And his belief was, I love you so much, but I can't sit here and watch you follow this line of life because I realize it's gonna lead you to a place that's not good and it's not where you want to be. And so I'm willing to love you enough to say truthful things to you because it's built on a foundation of a relationship. I've built this foundation of a relationship that now I can look at you and I can say truth to you that, hey, it might hurt your feelings. Hey, it might cause you to not want to see me. Hey, it might cause you to say things about me, but I love you so much I can't stand you to go down the path that you're going. Paul, Paul's done this several times. If you look in Acts chapter 26, it's the story of when Paul was first arrested and he was in jail and he was waiting and they were bringing him up to trial. And look at the words that he says as he's sharing all about his faith. He, he looks at Agrippa and he says, Agrippa said to Paul, do you think, Paul, that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? Because Paul's just been sharing his faith. Look at the words he says. Paul replied, short time or long? 
I pray to God that not only you, Agrippa, but that everyone listening to me today may become exactly what I am except for these chains that I'm wearing. Paul had a very deep desire in his life to say, hey, I want to follow Christ so much that if people will just do what I do, they're going to draw closer to Christ. But look how he did it. We see a, we see a pathway for this in 1 Corinthians, actually, when Paul writes these words. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And I want to pay attention to you. Know, a lot of times, I don't know if you, you see this, you don't see it on the screen, and if you're Sometimes if you, if you use your iPhone or your iPad or whatever, you don't see these things. But in Scripture, a lot of times it has these, has these headings over these passages. And I want you to notice what this heading actually says in 1 Corinthians 9. It's, it's labeled this, Paul's use of his freedom. Paul's use of his freedom, saying I can, I'm free, I can do whatever I want. Here's how he chose to use it. Paul said this, though I'm free... And belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all of this for the sake of the gospel, that I might share in its blessings. You catch that? That's Paul getting way outside the box. Paul's saying here, in every way I possibly had the opportunity, I chose to lay my rights down. I chose to lay my preferences down. I chose to lay my schedule down. I chose to lay my ideas down. And I got out of the box. And I got to where these people were. And I got interested in them first for the sole purpose of sharing with them the great news that Jesus Christ has come. He's died on the cross. And he is the path to eternal life and to true life in this earth. That's what Paul is saying. And we cannot accomplish that the longer that we stay here. It can't be done. You can't do it. And that's exactly what Paul is saying. This is the whole point. Anywhere God put me, I just became like them. I got interested in them. I knew their culture. I knew their town. I knew their people. I found what they found. I ate what they ate. I did what they did as long as it didn't compromise my morals and my faith. And I just walked in that path to let them know that you're important. And all this stuff is insignificant because what matters is the faith in Jesus Christ. And if you'll follow him, then he'll begin to lead you to do the things that you need to do. We don't have to start with changing your behavior. We have to start with changing your heart. And when your heart gets in the right place, then behavior will follow. And we don't have to worry about this right now. That's how Paul lived his life. I'm a little fired up this morning, aren't I? People all around this world starting on this stage and going anywhere else, have an incredible desire for people to show interest in them. They're just looking for someone to go, I notice you. I recognize you. What's interesting to you? What do you like to do? What's going on in your life? I mean, one of my best friends, and 
you know, I, I say this all the time, and I know y'all are getting to know me even more now, and y'all know that sometimes I, 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 I'm not the most wonderful person in social environments, but I'm around people who are just incredible, and so I'm always like, how do they do that? And one of my friends who's incredible in social, because I'm like, hi, what's your name? Now what do I ask him? You know, I don't even know what to do after that sometimes is what I feel. And he said, little, everybody wants to talk about themselves. All you got to do is ask them. And I'm like, yeah. He said, but most people walk in a room. Now listen to this. He goes, most people walk in a room and they're looking for people to connect with them and they never think, well, I'm going to ask this person about themselves to talk. They walk away going, why didn't anybody talk to me? Why don't I have any friends? Why didn't they do that? Because they don't get outside of their box. People everywhere are wanting someone to show interest in them. And that leads us to another truth here. The right people make the load lighter. Think about that. The right people in life, they'll make your load lighter. See, here's what was going on with Paul. He was also frustrated because he said, look, we have this freedom in Christ that we have been, I have been teaching you and it comes in this faith in Christ. And now you have people in your life who are piling things on you. All these rules, all these regulations, all these things that are happening they're not making your faith easier. They're not making your walk in your life easier. They're complicating things. And that's not what Christ came to do. Now, listen to me. Christ didn't come to just make life easy. But these things that were being added on were complicating things in such a way where it's like, this, this is not right. They're adding, they're adding red tape. They're adding bureaucracy. They're adding stuff that, that doesn't fit. So nowhere am we saying that, well, if you follow Christ, everything's supposed to be easy all the time. No. But when you're following Christ and you're surrounding yourself with the right type of people, they share that burden with you. They help take on some of that as they can. They don't pile on when you're down. They don't give you, they don't walk to you and say, I'm hurting, what do I need to do? Well, you know, you probably didn't follow the rules, right? And so Jesus is punishing you. That's, that's not how this is working. That's not how this is working. Paul's saying, no, it's not about these rules, it's about this relationship. That's why he uses that phrase, hey, guys, where then is your blessing of me now? Because I remember the people that, that I showed up to, and you were willing to tear your eyes out and give them to me. And now you're just confused because of all these rules and regulations. And now you're actually mad at me because I'm sharing truth. I'm trying to take a burden from you. These people are trying to put a burden on you, and you're mad at me? Where's, where's this blessing now? Where's this coming from? The right people in your life are not going to pile on. They're going to share the journey. And like Paul, they may share some hard truths with you. But the reason they share hard truths with you at times is because they look and they go, this is not leading to a great place. And I love you enough to share these type of things. You, there is an incredibly overused word in Christianity, and it's blessed. I'm just blessed to be here. I'm just blessed for this. I'm, right? Have you ever thought about what, it, what does it mean to be blessed? Okay? I want to give us the definition of blessed today. Blessed is a state of well-being because of a right relationship. When you are blessed, you're in a state of well-being because you're in a right relationship. When things are right in a relationship with one another, you are blessed. When you get a new car, great. That's not necessarily a blessing. You get a new house, awesome. That's not necessarily a blessing. You win the lottery, you better tithe, and then, great. That you, no, just, all, all these type of things that we look at sometimes, we say, this is a blessing. Blessings are meaningless outside of a relationship. 
Blessings are meaningless outside of a relationship. A true blessing is that I walk in right relationship and therefore I'm in a state of well-being because I know things are right. You, let's, let's look at it from the opposite just to help us. When you think there's a problem between you and someone else, how comfortable do you feel? How blessed do you feel? You don't because you feel uneasy. Maybe I need to avoid them. Maybe I need to stay away from them. Or even more, I, I start making my case against them about why they're so bad and why, what's wrong. That's not blessed. Blessed is when things are right. And so because of Jesus Christ, we have an opportunity to live a blessed life because he came so that we can have a right relationship with God. As a matter of fact, in Matthew eleven thirty, Jesus' words say this, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Which sounds exactly opposite of what the people were piling on at the Galatians and what Paul was trying to get them away from. He said, look, you can't keep going this way. That's not what this is about. So here's another truth, something we need to understand, especially to help us get outside this box. You ready for this one? It's pretty simple. But it's this. Life is better together. Life is better together. Now, if you believe that, stand up. I just want to make sure you're awake this morning, too. If you believe life is better together, stand up. Because your other option, other than standing, is to believe that this world would be better if you were the only person on this planet. And if that's you, you're in a place that, okay, you can sit down. If that's you, you live, in a, you live in a box that, no, I don't know that anybody can get into. Okay? So we have to understand that we have this belief that life is better together. Life is better when we share it with one another. Life is better when we figure out right relationships and we live a blessed life because I live in right relationship. But pastor, it's impossible in this earth for my relationships to be right with everyone. Yeah, you're right. Because you are going to be in a place where you let people down. You're going to be in a place where they have expectations of you that you can't keep or you have expectations of them that they can't keep. There's going to be times when you say things you wish you didn't say, you did things you wish you didn't do. There's going to be times that you wish you did things that you didn't do. There's going to be all these things that we let down because we are broken and we are imperfect. But you have to understand that there is a foundational truth that drives every relationship that we have to understand that life is better together. And if we truly believe that life is better together, then we will do everything that we can within our power to live in right relationship with one another, right? So here's the key. How do we do that? Well, how did Paul do it? Paul laid down his preferences. Paul laid down his rights. Paul laid down his opinions. Paul laid down his schedule. Paul laid down his life, even. He laid down his freedom. He laid down everything for the sake of having right relationships with one another. You've heard me say this before. It's a little rant that I get on, but I'm fired up today. Why not? Okay? You do realize that we live in an American culture that's built on ideology that cannot be sustained. What are you talking about, Pastor? Well, right now in our culture, we have promoted so much that, you know what the most important thing is, is that we hold on to the rights of the individual and that we need to protect the individuals and the individual's rights and whatever's best for the individual. That doesn't work past one box because as soon as another person's opinion is different, then whose rights of the individual are right? We, we can't live that way. So how do you make it work? Here's what most people are doing, and my Sunday school class is getting this twice because we kind of went off on this today. 
a little bit. Here's what most people think. They go, well, we just need to fix the laws and we need to fix the, the land and we got to get everybody on the right ideology. And I'll even go and I'll throw Christians in this thing. We just got to get them all believing the Bible and following this and that'll fix everything. No, it won't. No, it won't. Because again, not everybody's going to follow that. You can pass all the laws you want to and the only people who are going to follow it are those who do what? Who lay down their lives, who lay down their rights, and who choose to say, I'm going to submit myself to this authority. Those are the people who are the law abiders. Those are the people who get to move forward. Other people who don't like it are the ones who say, I'm not going to follow that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to get there. I'm not going to go there. You can't make me do it. Life is better together. And the way that we have a life better together is when we learn how to lay down our rights and preferences for the sake of other people. You see, what Paul was saying here is, look, these people are trying to get you to follow a path for a purpose. Here was the purpose, he said. What they want is to alienate you so that you can have zeal for them. They want to limit you. They want you to see life from a very limited perspective. They want you to follow their way. They want you to get passionate about their ideology so that they feel better about themselves. But I will just say that we need to question any time that we're following something that chooses to alienate us from other people. I I don't know that I see that Christ ever alienated himself from anyone. I don't see that anywhere in Scripture. As a matter of fact, he hung out with the people that nobody else would hang out with, right? And, and he dealt with the people that nobody else would deal with. Now, he also dealt with the popular people and everything. He, he didn't alienate anybody. That wasn't it. It wasn't about getting in a group that all thinks the same and acts the same and looks the same and standing over here, and the larger the group is, the better I should feel about myself because groupthink tells me now that I'm right because there's a lot of people in my group and all those people must be wrong. Nah. The Christian way, the example that we see here from Scripture is Paul's way of saying, hey, I became exactly what they were so that I could win them to Christ because I wanted to show them that I cared about them in a person first before I did anything else. That's getting outside of the box. You see, if you believe that life is better together, that would lead to just logically thinking. You don't even have to think biblically about this. If you believe that life is better together, then logic would seem to take us to a place that says, well, I need to seek ways to connect with as many people as possible. If I truly believe that life is better together, then I should be out there trying to connect with as many people as I can. Because life is only going to be greater the more that I connect with. But the trap that we all fall into, and we all fall into it, that's that poor me trap, right? Poor me. Nobody noticed me. Nobody thought about me. Nobody thinks like me. You know, it was my birthday and nobody said hi on Facebook. Or it was, all, you know, all, anything that we can do today to find offense, boy, we find it, don't we? As opposed to just going, hey, let's just go on. Let's just move around. So when we get in that mentality, that's the exact opposite of what Paul gave the example of. Let's just now get biblical on it. Romans 12, 10. Let's put that up on the screen, and I want everybody to read this with me together. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Honor one another above yourselves. There's your key to connection. When somebody's around you and they feel like that they're the most important thing in the world when you're around you're doing good. That's where it is. And I have a long way to work on that. I'll just tell you that. 
I told y'all I preach some of the best messages to myself that y'all get to hear. And it's tough, but we have to be intentional. So I want to say that I've had a lot of people come to me in this series and say, I'm trying to get outside the box. I really understand what you're saying and I see, but how do we do it? So I want to share with you just three real simple steps that we could take to get us outside the box this morning as we wrap this up today. Okay, first step that could help us get outside the box, and that's that. That's this, take initiative to get to know someone new. Take initiative to get to know someone new. You realize, and I'll pick on myself this morning, I don't have to pick on anybody else. I've been here two years, and only in two years I've already, I drive the same roads, I go to the same places, I see the same people, I walk the same lines, I do the same stuff, and if I'm not intentional, I end up just being, building my circle smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. I don't even try to do that, it just becomes habit. But if I don't take the initiative to meet somebody new, it's really never going to happen. And I know some of you are saying, how? How do, I, how do I meet somebody new? You know, I've been here forever. I know everybody. No, you don't. Promise you, you don't know everybody. And you can take the initiative to meet somebody new. How do you do that? I'll throw out some ideas. One, change your routine. Simply change your routine. You'll see different people. You know how I know that? Because I got the flu at the end of September. I met lots of new people in the doctor's office and all kinds of and they poked me with things, and they did stuff. And, and why? Because it forced me to get out of a routine that I was in, and lo and behold, I, I met new people. You know, you can just be intentional. I promise you, if you will take this seriously and say, you know what, I need to be a connecting point with other, other people, and you're just intentional about it, you'll, you'll meet them. I promise you will. Okay? Sit somewhere else, whether that be at work, at school, at home, at church, what, just sit somewhere else. It's amazing what happens when you go, that looks weird from over here, when you sit somewhere else. Go to a different place to eat. <laughs> All right, but I like Whataburger. All right, but go somewhere else, you know. Walk in a different door at work. Walk in a different door at work. I promise you, I started parking in different places where I worked at different, and it was just amazing because you would naturally start seeing different people when you come in the door, talking to different people, seeing different things like that, all right? How about this? Look up from your phone. Hey, there's one. That might help you meet someone, okay? And I'm as guilty of that as anybody else. So there's all kinds of things that we can do, but we have to take the initiative to get to know someone new. That's the first step outside of the box, okay? All right, pastor, so I get to know someone new. And here's what typically happens, all right? People usually take me up on this challenge. And they'll go, oh, I met so-and-so at Walmart the other day, or I saw so-and-so here. And that's kind of where it, it ends. Let's go to step two. <laughs> take an interest. Take an interest in things that interest them, okay? Not trying to get them to show things that are interesting to you, but take an interest in them. Tell me about them. What are they interested in? What do they like? Why do they do that? How have they done that? Why are they interested in those things? Where did that come from? Why is that important to them? What's the story behind the face? And I'll, I'll make this even real simple. <clears throat> find something that you kind of want to know something about. Find somebody that knows a lot about it and sit down with them. When, and I, I did my bucket list marathon. It'll never happen again in my life. But when I, start, when I chose to run a marathon... I sat down with people who had run a marathon. And I just started asking them questions. And lo and behold, I started building relationships. And I started hanging out with these people and 
We ran a few times together, and I got to know them. It was all built over a question of going, how do I not die in 26 miles? That was my question on this thing. And they showed me some ways to do that because it was something that I was kind of interested in. But I promise you, you know what's great about going and talking with someone about something that you have no real information about is it forces you not to talk because you realize if you open your mouth how foolish you sound. So it helps you to not talk about things because you go, tell me about this because I know nothing about it. But if you show interest in their things, then, ah, that's important. I've done that. I know that. I can help this person, and, and it really works out. And then the last step, you take initiative, you show interest, and then this, give an invitation. Give an invitation for them to be involved in your life, okay? In your life, not to this event, not to church, not some, but hey, come be a part of my life. Come, come over for dinner. How can I help you? Can I watch your kids? Can I do something for you? Come, come be a part of what's going on in my life. You see, because that was what Paul was saying. You cannot say to someone, do what I do, become more like me if they only see you an hour a week at some event. They have to be able to watch the way that you interact with your family, with others. They have to walk with you through the ups and the downs. And so many times, here's where Christians miss it, miss it and I'll pick on us for just a minute. We invite other people to church, but we never invite them to be a part of our life. People don't care about our church. People care about people. And when you will invite them to be a part of your life and show interest in them, then they'll be a part of things that you're doing all the time. That's where the kicker is on this. So you have to give an invitation to actually allow people into your body. So it's not only about you getting outside of the box, then it's about saying, hey, come look around in here. Yeah, there's some messy corners. Yeah, there's some things I wish weren't in there, but come be a part of this, all right? So I just closed this whole series with this question, and there's a very key word at the end of this question, and the question is this, how can I get outside of my box today? Because the more that you think about it and the more that you sit here and go, well, I'll figure this out maybe in a couple of weeks. I'll, mm -mm. You're not going to get outside of your box if you don't take the challenge, if you don't do something today, if you don't start now. It's going to feel a little uncomfortable. Sure it is because it's outside of the box. It's something new. It's something different. It's, it's something different to try. But if we truly believe that life is better together, if we truly believe that we have something that can bless and help other people, then why wouldn't we want to share it with as many people as possible? What in the world is wrong with showing love and attention to someone who needs it? Absolutely nothing. And that's what we can be about. That's what we can be about. You can't do it for everybody, but you can certainly do it for at least one more than you're doing now.